rock about my way to heaven When I awoke, I smit that on a necklace I told God I'll be back in a second Man, it's so hard not to act reckless Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is the Game Bites podcast for April the 17th, 2016. My name is LeGrand Jolly, joined with Jared Dunn and Jeremy Lamont. Hello. Hello and good evening. That is who we are. Welcome to the show, everyone. How are, how's everyone's lives today? It's Sunday. Today was a lazy Sunday for me. I, I sort of just like, I had a lot of things on my list to do and then just took a nap instead. Did you wake up in the late afternoon? Oh, man. Did you call Parnell just to see how he's doing? Yeah. No. I played Gran Turismo 6, actually. I went to Ikea. Wow. On a racing wheel. At your house? Do you have a racing wheel at your house, Jeremy? I do have a racing wheel at my house. Maybe I should talk about that. That sounds pretty Jeremy. That sounds pretty Jeremy. It is. I keep it, and it's, it takes its own little space up on the shelf, and I pull it out like twice a year. So it, It's for the <laughs> N64, isn't it? <laughs> actually, it works on PC, so wheel. theoretically it could work with like a lot of stuff, but it's pretty much... Does that much... force feedback? It does. does it have like a resistance and all yeah, that? Yeah, yep. Man, dude, let's get our VR on. You guys should come over to my house. Okay, I, I'm coming over to play your racing. Play some racing I'm going to leave right now. I'll be there in four or five days. <laughs> what, are you going to walk? I'm going to run. It's going to hitchhike. Oh, okay. It's going to show some All right, leg. Cool. cool. All right, well, uh, you know, I, I guess I guess I shouldn't be surprised that Jeremy has a racing wheel. I just never heard him talk about it before. Yeah, no, you know what? I'm going to fix that. Maybe that's what I'll talk about this week. Okay, that's cool, man. Yeah, All right, I'll tell you what it's uh, like. On, when, on Wednesday, you mean. That's right. Wait, on Wednesday, that's what we talk about on Wednesdays is games we've been playing. We don't do that. Today, Not today. So that's, that's, that is taboo, sir. That's right. We don't do that now. Today we're talking about video game news, and we missed last week, and but we're not catching up. We're just doing this week's news, right? No, that's right. We're just powering right through it. If you missed just that week, cut, cut it loose it's and done. move on. It never happened. We, uh, we've we been recording this show for over 100 episodes, and that's the very first time we've missed one episode in our two-a-week show. That's true. That's pretty good. We're that's pretty crazy. Generally very consistent, although we did record one anyway, and I'm pretty sure it'll show up in your feed <laughs> this week. Oh, yeah. This week yeah, it'll be totally. there. And to be yeah. fair, two out of the four of us are, were out of town that day. That's true. It's true. It's true. There's a reason why we didn't record. But we, we we did record though. It just hasn't. Okay, so it's, we did it's record. There, I promise. You're right. We have we have not missed an episode. It's just that episode has been. It's su- I don't know. super secret. It's not lost. It's coming. It'll be there. Trust yeah, us. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. You just wait. It'll be awesome. Well, let's get on with the news anyways. Jeremy, give us some news for this, just this week. This week only, exclusive to this week. Uh, We're going to start out with a pretty bizarre tale of lawsuits and money and uh, Scottish and British people. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but Take-Two Interactive and Rockstar Games are under siege from a lawsuit by Leslie Benzies, who was one of the producers of the multi-million dollar Grand Theft Auto franchise, and specifically with respect to Grand Theft Auto V and profit sharing. Uh, You guys might remember that Leslie Benzies was in the news a little while ago for taking a sabbatical from the company, uh, just a long break. Turns out that's not quite the full story. Benzies now is saying that he was persuaded to take a nice sabbatical for six months, but while he was away, Rockstar fired his son and a bunch of his best pals while cutting off his access to company emails, and apparently there was some profit-sharing stuff going on as well. Benzies discovered that while on sabbatical, Sam and Dan Hauser, who are the 
reclusive founders and head honchos at Rockstar had allocated $93 million in profit-sharing payments to themselves, with another $523 million in profits unaccounted for. During that period, according to the suit, Mr. Benzies did not receive a single dollar in profit-sharing payments, a significant and dramatic departure from the former practice of profit-sharing equality among the three Rockstar principals. Rockstar is accused of lying about his sabbatical when the company said that uh, he had decided not to return to work, and upon his uh, arrival back on April 1st, his key to the building had been deactivated. He alleges that Sam nice. Hauser, yeah, it's pretty weird. Sam, he alleges that Sam Hauser orchestrated and encouraged a company culture involving strip clubs, personal photography of employees in sexually compromising positions, and other conduct grossly in violation with standard workplace norms. Uh, standard for you, maybe. Yeah, I've that's pretty. It's pretty nuts. Uh, just over there in general. Uh, I did have a chance to read the. There's actually a book about the rise of Rockstar Games called uh, Jacked: The Outlaw Story of Grand Theft Auto. And I don't know. I I would pretty much believe just about anything that anyone says uh, about that place. Pretty much. Um, Rockstar's lawyers responded, claiming that Benzie's lawsuit is bizarre. Uh, they filed a countersuit, claiming that Benzie's left the company fair and square, and as such, he's no longer due a share of anything. So I guess there's uh, crime and punishment, and crime and crime, and uh, someone over there got jacked. I think. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of other things that are getting jacked, here's something else uh, that's kind of interesting. Apparently, the Oculus Rift exclusive games and demos are already hacked and running on an HTC Vive. Uh, awesome. Yeah, this is something that we had actually talked about a few weeks back as well, where it seems that the kind of the components in Oculus Rift and HTC Vive and some of these virtual reality systems kind of share a lot of commonalities, and uh, it turns out that that has now come to fruition. And uh, according to a proof-of-concept program that was posted on GitHub, uh, Lucky's Tale and the Oculus Dream Deck demos run just fine on the HTC Vive. According to that page, it works by re-implementing functions from the Oculus runtime and translating them to open VR calls. Um, however, Oculus has implemented a code signing check on the runtime DLLs, therefore the revived DLLs cannot be used unless the application is patched. And um, apparently, this has been verified by third parties. Dream Deck works just fine on the HTC Vive, and you know it may work with plenty of other games, according to the person who posted the program on Reddit, uh, user CrossVR. Uh, they say that it's still early days for the project, since it's only been in development for a few weeks. A few weeks! And they've got this up and running. They say that in the future, more games will be supported, but uh, they're glad to see that they've made such swift progress already this is the way that it needs to be man yeah we talked we, we talked about this it has to be this way man that you're i'm sorry your oculus is not a platform your oculus is a display in I, my opinion. i agree it's, it's kind of ridiculous that they're trying so hard to uh lock people into the one device uh like why wouldn't you i don't understand why developers and oculus wouldn't want i understand why oculus doesn't want it but why why wouldn't you want your game uh, to work on every VR platform that just is going to increase your market base. Why, why are developers putting up with this? Well, I think as far as the developers themselves, I mean, I think it's the same kind of thing that you'd get with closed platforms like PlayStation and Xbox, where the platform holders have the interest in sort of promoting and driving software yeah. to their platforms. But it, it takes more than a couple of weeks to take a PlayStation 4 game and put it on Xbox yeah. One. That's pretty impressive. Um, that doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. So th there is no barrier other than, uh, you know, a fictitious one. There are games for Vive that 
like rely on their room scale stuff, you know, so that wouldn't work on Oculus given the way that it is presently. So, but games like Lucky's Tale, that's basically a, a, a 3D platformer. Like, there's no reason why that shouldn't just run, even in normal not VR. You know, it's just a 3D platformer. Agree. Yeah, so, that's true too. It'll know. be interesting to see if there's any response or how those platform holders react to that sort of thing because apparently it ain't hard to do. Something that is a little more difficult to do, not many games are doing it these days, selling over a million copies. It came out this week that Yacht Club Games' Shovel Knight has sold 1.2 million copies across its multiple platforms. Uh, this game, you might remember, came out in 2014. Big indie hit, uh, originally released on PC and uh, Nintendo 3DS, later came to Wii U and... Uh, PlayStation platforms, as well as Xbox One. Uh, so pretty interesting. Uh, the sales figures include uh, 180,000 Shovel Knight Amiibos sold. I've got one of those in Legrand. I think you... I've got one. That's right. I think yep. you've got one of those as well. Uh, and then they uh, actually talked about the Plague of Shadows update, which kind of interesting. It was my number two game of the year last year, the Plague of Shadows update to Shovel Knight. Turns out that only 6% of those who played the free downloadable content actually finished it. Uh, they indicated that the expansion cost them a million dollars to develop, and they earned no profit from it. Uh, they've actually it was part released... of their Kickstarter, though. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, it's it was a stretch goal. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's just kind of interesting that uh, they they've basically come out with a lot of the statistics of that game, and uh, they've always been really open with that kind of stuff. I've I've read lots of articles that they've written just saying, "Hey, here's what it costs us to develop a game," and I believe there was an article not a, not too long ago where people were just. They just basically came out and explained exactly the costs of game development. To people. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Talked about I always, that article. I always like it when they do that. I know Arson Games, an indie developer, has done that once where they basically broke down and showed all their finances um, as sort of a lesson. Yeah. And uh, the Skullgirl developers, sorry, I forget their names, did that for what it takes to develop a new character in a fighting game. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. just really interesting too. to see behind the curtain a little bit. It's because everyone's complaining about it, you know? Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Because stuff is expensive. I mean, you, you, I think what, what kind of stemmed it was that like Kickstarter was, you know, raising a, a few million dollars for a game, and people were like, wow, that's a ton of money, make a game. And well, quite honestly, video game development is costs a lot more than that. So, in, well, in a lot of cases, I guess. No. So, a couple of other interesting yeah. statistics that came out of this Shovel Knight breakdown: thirty-two percent of Shovel Knight owners bought their copies from Steam, which is the uh, largest selling platform followed by 29% on the Nintendo 3DS, although they say that Steam has benefited most from discounted sales, and in an average month, Nintendo 3DS almost sells twice as much as Steam, so kind of an interesting tidbit there hmm. about sales. That's where I have mine. I have it on 3DS. Yeah, Yep. same. Uh, and I really like the Street Pass functionality on that. Um, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. It is good. So in celebration of the achievement of the milestone, that game, Shovel Knight, will be on sale across multiple platforms this week. Uh, by the time you are listening to this, if it's a game that you have not played and are interested in, or if you just like to pick it up on another platform and play through it again, uh, you can check out your favorite retail locations. Uh, digital retail locations, I should say. Uh, and while that one took a couple of years to get to the 1.2 million units sold mark, Stardew Valley on Steam has topped a million copies sold two months after its launch. And uh, Stardew Valley, you guys might know, is a farming simulator, sort of a la Harvest Moon, and uh, it's sort of taking the streaming and the mm -hmm. indie buzz 
communities by storm. Uh, Stardew Valley currently ranks among Steam's top paid releases of 2016 thus far. Uh, the indie game was produced by a single developer, and the game hit the marketplace on February 26th, although this was after years of beta releases and updates. Uh, neared half a million copies sold in March after two weeks on sale, and it's only been trucking along since then. Well, one interesting thing to note on that release is that did not go through Steam's early access. The, he uh, betaed it, but it never had an early sort of uh, access. Good for him, man. To it. Mm-hmm. Good for that guy. Yeah, that's uh, Eric Barone, the creator. Uh, according to the publisher Chucklefish, it's been really exciting for us to help bring this game to people's attention, and the success really couldn't have come to a more deserving person. And it uh, looks like there are continual updates to the game since its February, February release. Uh, the latest build offers several changes meant to improve the quality of married life and reducing the effects of dying in a mine. Uh, nobody likes to see that, but uh, good on that guy. It's always nice to hear, either in the case of Yacht Club Games or Chucklefish and Eric Brown. It's good to hear about little guys doing well. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of other people out there who, who don't quite hit those heights. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, keep on trucking. Yeah, that's the, that's a pretty good money for a single dude. Just wanted to point yeah, that out. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. True. Yeah, it's awesome. And speaking of other things that uh, are coming to us, uh, actually, we talked about this in our pre-show banter uh, in the last week or so, but Galaxy, which we've talked about previously on the show, it's the sort of 1980s anime jet-fighting spaceship twin-stick shooter, um, has actually had, it's been missing some free DLC that was originally promised on the... Uh, release of the game. So this is, uh, the, the game is sort of organized into seasons, kind of like seasons of TV shows, and there have only been four seasons of the game with a an empty slot there that hasn't been filled. So this new DLC will serve as a fifth season and uh, will be available, uh, actually is currently available on Steam, um, but I don't know about uh, other as, platforms. As a beta... And for PS4 and PC full schedule, it says it's un- or unscheduled. Unscheduled, that's right. So it looks like it is in beta on Windows PC only for now. 17-Bit Studios, who is the um, developer of the game, um, had been doing Twitch streams and things on uh, on its release, but the full modes, uh, the modes full release on PS4 and PC uh, still remains to be scheduled. So uh, kind of interesting, a pretty good game. I think it is on this month's list of PS Plus freebies, I believe. That wasn't last month, was it? Is that this month? I think it's this uh, month. I think it was last month. Was it last month? Okay, well, hopefully you picked that up as part of your PS Plus uh, Sure did. Goodies. I haven't played it yet. And uh, it, it's a good one. I think you might like it. You should try it out. There's You, like, transform into, a like, a flying mech suit type thing. and I actually uh, subscribe to the Indie Box, which is a monthly, you know, one of those box services that provides uh, PC indie games Never as heard collector of it. editions. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really cool. Never heard of um, that type of thing. Yeah. This month is uh, Galaxy. So Galaxy. Getting that. Cool. Not bad. Not bad. Very good. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a good one. I uh, I know that some people were really upset that that had been long ago promised and hadn't come through, but uh, I got to be honest with you. I've never gotten past the third season. It's kind of it's kind of a difficult game. So um, it, it, it's all new to me uh, no matter what. So uh, a couple of other things that have taken a long time in the making. Um, I know that some of the listeners to this show and some of the hosts on this show are into Skyrim. You like your Elder Scrolls games. And uh, a big new mod that has been three years in the making has just been released. It is called Holds the City Overhaul, and it adds a plethora of new updates focusing on architecture and expanding many of the city's histories, books, character backgrounds, and outfits, along with entirely new settlements. Um, there are probably still people out there getting playtime out of Skyrim. Um, 
I I have never been big into the mod scene myself. Uh, we may have an opportunity to talk about this a little bit later in the show, but uh, it has a trailer for it, and I mean, there's just a ton of stuff um, that, that are that are involved in this mod. Now, I'm curious, you guys, uh, if this is something that would ever prompt you to go back to any previous game that you had uh, kind of wrapped before now. Yes. Uh, th- there was a point in time when... I told myself that if I had, was locked on a desert island and could only have one game, it would be Skyrim. So there was a time when I was way into that game, but just with so many games that are out, there's not a whole lot. Like a mod, especially if it's not official, is not gonna, really going to bring me back personally. But we can talk about that later. Yeah. yeah. I actually just installed a game last week because of a mod. Interesting. Well, this sounds like it is ripe for discussion. Well, we, we are different people then. Sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> we have different tastes in video games. No. Oh, gosh. So areas such as <laughs> Falkreath, Winterhold, and Dawnstar have all been rebuilt with entirely new designs, and two new settlements, Ambergard and Blackmore, have been added in. Mod creator Gallandil uh, talked about in his post that the project took him over three years to finish, and he hopes to make each place feel more realistic and natural. And uh, you know what? Godspeed to you, Gallandil. That is quite a uh, quite an endeavor. So another, another one-man team doing that, I guess. Uh, here's something that I threw in here because I find it to be very interesting. You guys remember the, uh, that game, that, uh, studio, Evolution Studios that closed down. They were previously of the MotorStorm fame on the PlayStation platforms, uh, most recently Drive Club. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, uh, uh-huh. they were closed down by Sony, and, um, it turns out they've been picked up by Codemasters. And, uh, Codemasters most recently is known for their games F1 2015 and Dirt Rally, which are their two big racing games most recently. And, uh, turns out that, uh, Codemasters CEO Frank Sangnier, uh, feels like it is a great opportunity to add to the growth of Codemasters. He says, The addition of the Evolution team to our studio will allow us to scale our business and strengthen our leadership as the world's premier racing game developer. I'm thrilled to have Mick Hawking, who is over at uh, over at Evolution, join Codemasters as VP of Product Development. His experience in building AAA IP and leading great teams has made him a natural choice to head the development of all of our products. I am equally thrilled to welcome his talented team to the Codemasters family. I look forward to the great games and brand new IP we will develop together. Um, my take on this is I just hope that they are going to release a, um, a pretty crazy arcade racing game. Um, I really feel like Sony dropped the ball not having Evolution work on more MotorStorm-type games uh, and instead having them do Drive Club. But, uh, yeah, pretty pretty exciting. Um, and actually, since my racing wheel works on PC, who knows? They might release something that I'll actually be able to, to play with that wheel. Cool. And then, uh, very last here, another one that I sort of threw in here for a personal interest. A trademark filing by Namco Bandai suggests that Amazing Katamari Damacy could be the next game in that series. Uh, Bandai Namco's European division uh, filed the trademark on April 11th. They have the domain name as well. The website currently doesn't redirect anywhere. Um, But uh, I don't know. It's been a while since we've had a new Katamari game. And, uh, you know, it was just this week I was sort of humming the Katamari theme song. And I I know that there aren't people who are as high on that series, but I could always use some new Katamari in my life. I haven't played it since the first one. and I I loved it and I beat it. And... If they could add some hooks into this game that you know kids kids these days are into, it could be like you know the next big thing. For That's kids, true. I think. We we do have to be a little careful what we wish for too, because I, I believe that there is an iOS and Android game called Tap My Katamari, which came out last December, but I don't think it's been released in the United States. Um, I guess they. 
So you, you never know. I guess you never really know what's going to be in those. Tap my Katamari. Yeah, tap my Katamari. And uh, previously there was, uh, what was the one on the Vita? Uh, Touch my Katamari, I think. Touch on, my Katamari. On the Vita, that's mm-hmm. right. So I've uh, I've played just about wow. every one of those and enjoyed every one, but I guess I guess it could end up being like some sort of endless runner or something. So ho- hopefully it's There are 12 good. Katamari games on their Wikipedia page. 12! And the, and you know what? They're all pretty good too. I know that people felt like the series didn't ever really change that much, but I I noticed the subtleties and I appreciated them. So, uh, really, all I want from it is a is a really crazy uh, soundtrack again. Yes, awesome cutscenes and that's right. And so hopefully the king of all cosmos in some tight tights. That's what I want. I'm 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 okay with that. Yeah, and that's all the news I've got for the week. Man, thanks for the news, Jeremy. That was that was fantastic. No problem. You're welcome, you guys. <laughs> All right, let's move on to new releases really quick. Uh, tech-gaming.com is where we get this business from. So head over there and check out the full list. Some standouts include uh, Axiom Verge on the PlayStation Vita. Yes. I'm sorry. This is the only game that matters this week <laughs> because I bought it a while ago on PS4 and have not yet fired it up because I've been patiently, patiently waiting for the PS Vita version. Which will and, be the um, best version, I'm sure. Yeah, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to play me some Axiom Verge this week. So that's Bring coming it. out. Uh, also... Uh, Invisible Inks coming out to the PS4. This is, of course, I think this is one of Dale's uh, games of last year, yeah. if I remember right. Yep. Uh, Bravely Second. This is the follow-up to Bravely Default. Uh, End Layer, I guess, is the subtitle. Uh, it's coming out this week as well. On the virtual console for the uh, new 3DS for the SNES has a few games coming in there. Super Metroid, best game ever. Uh, Except for out. Axiom Verge. Yeah, I guess I guess I'll make that determination um, soon. You should do it. You should you should get them both and like do a do a breakdown. I don't have a new 3ds. Oh bummer. The only reason I why I would get one would be to be able to play SNES games, and that doesn't justify a new purchase. Anyway. I feel like that 3D eye tracking is worth it. Just, yeah, just to me. If I play enough 3ds games, I guess. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, also, Super Strike Beach Volleyball and The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, meaning that you could have both Link to the Past and Link Between Worlds on the same console at the same time, both digital, playable. That's awesome. Actually, so I, I think I saw someone say on Twitter that you can play with this and all of the previous virtual console games and the and the retail releases that work on the 3DS. You can play something like 11 or 12 different Legend of Zelda games on that one platform. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. That's pretty good. It's a lot of Zelda. Yeah, well, Zelda's, Zelda's pretty uh, pretty all right, I think, for most people. Uh, coming to PC, The Banner Saga 2. It's uh, going to be excellent. Yeah, this is a Jared game for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Final Fantasy IX, uh, they put out on PC finally. So that's available right now. Ropa 2, Goodbye Despair. Sounds great. We we are big fans of the Ropa series here at the Game Byte Show. Uh, everyone's gone to the rapture. Coming to PC, I believe this was a PS, a PlayStation, a yeah, PlayStation game. Came out last year. August published last by year. Sony, right? It mm-hmm. is, on, and that's that's Steam. the interesting thing about it. If you go to the Steam page for Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, it is published by PlayStation Mobile, I believe. Uh, so yep. Sony is al- along with everybody else now a third party publisher on PC. So everybody's third party now. Actually, if you look at it, it turns out that Helldivers, which the, the PC version of that came out, I think, last year, uh, also was published by Sony. And I don't think it ever really made news at the time. But yeah, PlayStation is literally publishing games on PC. So good. Interesting. Thanks. Good Thanks for so. them. Yep. And finally, uh, because we can't go a whole week without talking about Warhammer game or Warhammer themed game, uh, Man of War Corsair is coming out uh, on early access on PC. This is, of course, the... Uh, of course, everyone. <laughs> y'all know what this is. It's the Warhammer Fantasy uh, Pirates Edition. 
Um, so yeah. check it out. Yeah, pirates yeah, and look, Warhammer. Look, look for some streaming goodness from Jared on this at some point. <laughs> yeah, in the future. I'm can't sure. swing a dead cat without hitting a Warhammer game these days. Can't, can't swing right. a dead skaven, Ver, a dead vermin tied <laughs> rat person. <laughs> Uh, and finally on this, I don't know why these are even on here, but backwards compatibility. I'm assuming this is Xbox 360 backwards compatibility on Xbox One. Yes, that that's right? correct. Yes, it is. Uh, Doom 3 and Monaco. Yep. There you go. That's it. Yay. Uh, so there you go. Those are the new releases today. There's all obviously a ton more uh, crap that's come out on Steam. So uh, head over to tech-gaming.com and look at the list and uh, let us know if you think that we missed something. I doubt we did, but we just very well may have. I mean... We would have. I would have never known that that game was a Warhammer game, and, and I would have totally spaced that if it wasn't for Jared's keen eyes. His so. Warhammer dar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Warhammer. <laughs> my Warhammer dar. Well, there had to at least be one in that list, so it was just a matter of whittling it down from <laughs> just there. Just the averages. Out. There had to be one. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, that's it. So uh, that's that. Very cool. So for today's topic, uh, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier uh, with the Skyrim mod, and Jeremy asked the question point blank. Rude. Um, <laughs> on reinstalling older games or I guess just in general what do we uh, or the the listeners they can they can tweet us if they'd like uh, feel that mods uh, what value do they bring to games so like for, for me in particular I find mods to be extremely valuable um, I mentioned I installed a game that was Mountain Blade Warband to play a very specific mod um that I had seen that looked interesting that I wanted to kind of uh, experience and to be a part of. So I, I mean, like, what do you like? It sounds like the grand will not install an older game for a mod, but do you install mods for games that you're currently playing? Like say XCOM, would you ever toss a mod on top of that? And PC? So I, I will, I will tell you a story. Uh, when I built my very first gaming PC, I built it to play a mod of a game. Nice. Dedication. So there you go. The mod was uh, Desert Combat for Battlefield 1942. And Which was that... an amazing mod. Boom. See? Yeah. yeah. All right. That, that is the game that, that got me into... That is the... Well, the mod. I, I played more of that mod. I probably never hardly even played the regular game, but I played that mod to death. And uh, yeah, that's what got me into PC gaming. I specifically built my PC because I wanted to play that game so bad. And by damn it, I did. I played it a lot, and it was awesome. So I, I think that mods are... Uh, can be can be pretty good in the case of this mod that you know desert combat it actually was better than the regular game i thought um because it brought back in an era when world war ii video games were the only thing you could a do dime a dozen in, in it was FPS, it. yeah <laughs> uh, this game actually brought it to the you know to the modern era which was mm-hmm. which was cool and something that nobody had really seen and then all of a sudden you know, Call of Duty came out. Battlefield moved into the modern era with Battlefield Two shortly thereafter. Just well, like, well, oh, specifically, like Call this. of Duty moved from World War Two era to the modern era, just like Battlefield. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I think that what mods do, and I think the the cool thing that mods bring to the table in general is it allows people the ability to do something that the developer may not be able to a, you know, risk time and money on, um, or b that they don't see as part of the vision of a game. Uh, so a modder, um, if mod tools exist for a game, is able to, um, like in the case of Desert Combat, Desert Combat was a very, very realistic game. The I, I remember the helicopters being incredibly difficult to fly, but very, very realistic with their physics. And, you know, the modders were able to kind of build out uh, something that, you know, at that time, you know, DICE was not willing to do with Battlefield. And um, 
you know, they really pushed the genre forward, in my opinion, with that mod because it, you know, kind of forced some hands. But I see that in a lot of way, in a lot of places, um, with gaming mods, and in, in a lot of cases, like uh, World of Warcraft, for example. I mean, that was the whole thing. There's a whole website that was, you know, spawned. You know, Curse.com was spawned based on the idea that people need to be able to share their mods that were for World of Warcraft. And in a lot of cases, the big popular mods, you know, Blizzard end up taking and just building into the game itself. So um, I think they do have an interesting place in, you know, in the gaming world. For me, the last, I should say the first um, mod that I have really got involved in were with Doom. When you could take the the WAD files, the WAD files for that, uh-huh. and put in things like Barney the Dinosaur and you know whatever Simpsons Simpsons Doom, yeah, and Barney just, Doom. just like all kinds of stuff. And you could, it seems like you could even stack those on each other. Like you could just put in just a ton of different things to just mod the heck out of that. Um, and then I think the next time I used mods was kind of never, honestly. Um, I I, uh, I loaded in for the new Homeworld Remastered game. Somebody had done a Cataclysm mod where they're sort of recreating the, the Kunlan, the ship from from the um, the expansion, or I guess the, what would you call it, a half-sequel to the original Homeworld. And I played it for about expansion. two or three minutes to see if it worked because I was going to, like, stream it or something at some point, and then I sort of never did. The tricky thing for me with mods is that I think mostly I I have to feel like I've gotten what I can out of uh, the main game itself, you know. To me mods are, are kind of something that you would do after the fact, which which I know may not always be the case and and like with this Skyrim thing, if I ever sit down to play Skyrim, I think I'm just going to mod the heck out of it. I'm just going to put all of the mods in and uh, and run it that At way. At this point you should though cuz the, the mods for Skyrim really added a lot of cool Absolutely. stuff to the game. An amazing amount. But that's they didn't want to put the time into because people were doing it for them, Absolutely, right? that's right. And I think I think in the case of Skyrim there's it's weird because a lot of developers are afraid of mods. They're like, "Oh, we don't want to give control to the players to take our IP and do stuff to it." But in the case of Skyrim, I bet there's a lot of people that continue to play that game and purchase that game just based on the idea that there were you know, uh, all these different mods and ways, or they saw some pretty screenshots that somebody had done by, you know, by adding some custom lighting schemes to the game and things like that. And I I think it really, you know, propelled Skyrim to become the game that it, you know, turned into uh, just because of its mod support. One of the things that I I think is, uh, that I have not taken advantage of that seems really cool is how mods have now been integrated so cleanly into the Steam interface. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, it used to be a really, like, harrowing process, you know, like, remove you know, core game files and put in this other thing and change an INI file and add this folder and do all kinds of other things. And now it's just something that you toggle on or toggle off. So I think it's easier than ever to, at at least through the Steam interface anyway, to to get stuff like that. The Steam Workshop? Yeah, Steam Workshop. Yep, that's right. Yep, exactly right. Yeah, it it, it really has streamlined it a lot, given a lot of visibility to games. I was actually just browsing through uh, the Steam Workshop kind of as you guys talked. And, uh, you know... there are a lot of games that I currently mod. In fact, a game I talked about last week that I have that I've been playing that is modded is uh, City Skylines. Uh, mods in that game range from you can change building types to add new, entirely new buildings. Just just everything you can think of. Um, I, I think and, the craziest parts of City Skylines are like the uh, the freeway interchanges that people have built. Yeah. Yeah, and you can save stuff like that. Uh, games like Besiege, which is a, a a fun little indie game if if you haven't heard of it where you build your siege engines and solve puzzles with it medieval kind of siege engines uh there's 
tens of thousands of mods on that game, which is essentially just players creating their works of art <laughs> out of the game tools and then uploading them to the Steam Workshop, which is an amazing way for, I mean, just you can pop in there, download a few, check them out, play with them, have fun, have some laughs and turn it back off. So it's really fascinating. Uh, mods to me add a ton to games. Like I said, I'm actually replaying Mountain Blade in a mod. Uh, Mountain Blade is my, Warband is my most played game on Steam and has been for a really long time. Uh, probably because of mods, I, I'll have to say that. I don't think I've played the vanilla Mountain Blade uh, nearly as much as I have played different mods. Uh, I played the CRPG mod online, I played a Lord of the Rings mod, just all of these different things to, to essentially change entirely what that game is not in the way it plays but in like the worlds that you inhabit um, and i think that's just fascinating that people are can be empowered to so wholly change games or even subtly change games in some cases um, i remember playing very exclusively an empire total war mod that didn't change make dramatic changes it made tweaks here or there to units i mean almost indiscernible to like a, a typical player but really sought to try to balance it further from what uh uh, creative assembly was doing at the time so you know it kind of ranges f from all over from really big to really small you know the other thing too that is uh, i mean this seems like a fairly recent development as well is technical mods that make some games actually playable um i think most famously was it the original dark souls on pc that mm -hmm. uh the ds fix mod the kind of like the essential one and yeah. um that it allowed it to be played at like i think 1080p right it was it was wasn't it uh resolution capped at 720 or something yeah. ridiculous yeah so it was from software doing their you know 30 fps uh yep. you know and it just was not well received and uh I, I know that game received not not just that but i think there were several mods that that people jumped in and uh you know tried to make that game much more playable so i know in fact i know that dale who is uh, i think just this week going to be getting back from his trip to japan uh he took with him a copy of dark souls on pc and he had said he'd made some joke like gosh i sure hope that mod holds up or you know this, you know doesn't doesn't crash on him because uh, i guess that's what he was going to be doing so in some cases it makes a game that would be you know, unplayable. Other, otherwise unplayable or unenjoyable, yeah. like actually worthwhile, um, up and beyond what the developer released. Uh, you know, that's that's a fascinating uh, point because they have actually taken uh, mods just real quick on the say all the Infinity Engine games, the Baldur's Gate. You could go and mod all those to give you widescreen resolution. You run it on modern PCs, uh, very nice resolution, um, and. Uh, Oh, it's the name of the developer. Basically, a developer took that. I don't know if they took the exact mods, but essentially have released enhanced editions of those very same games recently within the past few years uh, that essentially incorporates those those exact changes, re-released the games with those widescreen, high-resolution adaptations. And uh, you can buy those and basically buy a modded version of the game, which is fascinating. Beamdog, I think, was the developer. Uh, there might be games now where mods, you know, right up front may be more likely. I mean, um, XCOM 2 now is uh, sort of open-armed, you know, it's just welcoming mods with open arms, and uh, so that might be an opportunity to, to play those on the first playthrough. But uh, generally speaking, I don't, uh, I don't tend to go out of my way for mods all that often. You're playing PC games wrong. Yeah, that could be. That could be. <laughs> that could be. 
Uh, I don't know. What's the next exciting mod that's uh, that's coming up here? Uh, anything that you're looking forward to in particular? Or uh, right now, I'm playing, like I said, Mountain Blade. It's a uh, Crusaders mod, which is pretty cool. Um, just a little bit different tile set, different sort of world to explore. Uh, real world, as the case may be, um, different units, different, just kind of different way to play the game. I haven't played the game that way, so so now I get to go do that. Uh, so that's what I'm doing now. I haven't really eyed up any others. Do you do you generally? So here's kind of maybe maybe the last thing before we close on this subject. But how do you discover new mods? I mean, do you wait for? Is there something that's coming up that you hear about and you get hyped for it and you're going to find it, or do you just sort of discover them as you come across them? I frequently browse uh, a mod uh, kind of a popular mod webpage uh, moddb.com mod database uh which you know they'll they'll feature games sometimes i'll just search games that i know are very easily moddable like uh mountain blade and say i kind of feel like playing that game again and i'll pull something up and say man that looks really cool i'm gonna go play that and i'll go do it uh in other cases i have a, a style of game that i would like to play like i want to be able to play uh, you know a strategy game so i'll go browse some strategy games and see what's out there because you know in a lot of cases I, I don't really replay games personally i don't go through and replay the same game i've already played um, that i've already picked up and put down it, it just doesn't keep my attention I, I might get into it and maybe get an hour or two in and then i just totally lose focus but if i slap a mod on there and kind of change it up then i'm very happy to enjoy that all over again yeah, I was talking to a friend who was uh, actually just right before the podcast was playing Minecraft, uh, the Windows 10 version of Minecraft, and I guess there's a, a mod that sort of adds more focus to the the farming and cooking and starving to death and, and those kinds of things, and um, I think she had said she's running from uh, up, up from 51 mods to 62 mods all at the same time, uh, which that <laughs> just blows my there, mind. There's a big old mod collection in Minecraft called Feed the Beast that is like everything like all the mods all of it together <laughs> yeah i don't know nice. I, I i can't get out of this uh, mod discussion without uh just giving a mention to a mod that we still play regularly at land parties it's a quake 3 mod called phobic that was developed by the one and only john sloan oh so he developed a mod called uh, phobic which uh is just kind of a tweak to uh the way that the game is scored and the physics and the weapons uh in quake 3 and we still play it Probably at every land party we go to, somebody like fires it up and we play it, and it's awesome. So, phobic is cool. I said I got to give a shout out to that. Yeah, I've sure. heard of this John Sloan. Yeah, he's all right. Well, very good. Well, that's uh, that's our modding discussion for this week. Um, our podcast is fully moddable in your audio editor of choice. Uh, you know, just switch on that uh, reverb mod, or you know, turn it into backward Satan talk, and you know, this podcast can be basically anything you want it to be. So, uh, listeners, thanks for joining us this week on The Game Byte Show. This is one of our two weekly podcasts. Of course, we talk to you today about the news, new releases, and this special mod topic of discussion. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, we'll be back to talk to you next week about the games that we're playing. But in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter, which is our social media network of choice, uh, over at Game Byte Show to reach out to us as a group. You can also find us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. Uh, you can find me on Snapchat at Legrand. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know what my... I don't know. That, send send all Legrand, of your ugly genital pictures to Legrand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you can do that on Twitter, too, honestly. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I, I don't think that's my name on Snapchat. Oh, so yeah. I'm never giving that So send, send those to him on Twitter, then. 
You can find me <laughs> not on Snapchat, on Twitter at red underscore. Please no photos. Clean. <laughs> we run a clean account here, and uh, of course Dale Jones count uh, at count underscore Elmdor on Twitter, and uh, you can send him pictures of ramen or something. I think that's something he'd be interested in. I also want to mention real quick. Um, we I have started trying to get in some more streaming. Of course, we do a video stream once a week or more, and the or more I think is going to take some precedence. So find us over on Twitch tv slash game show be sure to subscribe so you can get alerts when we go live if you had been subscribed and saw the alert today you would have saw that we played assault android cactus a, a uh, fun little twin stick shooter Ooh, which which i uh, missed it was, it was good i missed good. and we i actually regret beat it. bosses yeah yeah so, you do regret it i do I, I have deep regret and so i have subscribed on youtube.com slash game show where uh, you and i and everybody can find archives of some of our past streams so i think the that's i right. think the one that's up there right at this moment is the battleborn beta that we did before uh, yep. so we'll uh, Try to, try to keep that updated, and uh, you can visit our webpage, GameBiteShow.com, to see our entire podcast archive, as well as a sidebar of all of our video streams, and just check everything out over there. There's a lot of good stuff. Tell your friends, let them know that you're listening to The Game Bite Show. Uh, give us a shout-out on Twitter or Snapchat, if you wish. And uh, until <laughs> until next time, this has been your Game Bite Show for this week. Thank you so much, and we will catch you on the flip side. See ya. Bye.